Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Hey, folks, you're listening to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess. This is show number 63. Just a reminder, you can find all my shows and notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365. If you just want the audio, you can go to callthatgirl.podbean.com or at my YouTube channel, Call That Girl. Oh, excuse me, youtube.com slash call that girl. And don't forget on my um, callthatgirl.biz slash office365 uh, page, I changed it so just the current show is up and the link so that we talked about stuff and all that. And then there's a button for the past shows you can click on to go see all the rest. But if you're on your phone and you want the feed, just go to the feed burner at the Podbean site. All right, now this week I have an interesting guest for you folks. Um, I'm going to have an open talk discussion, so it's really not an interview, but we're going to talk about a few things with Stephen, uh, excuse me, Stephen Taylor. He's the administrator at the Facebook group I've been uh, hanging out at. It's called the IT Bog, which is, I believe, Stephen, if I'm right, the IT Business Owners Group. Yes. Okay. And, and Stephen's real job outside of that is uh, he's a Macintosh expert. And he works with Google Apps a lot, and he owns IT Works out of Akron, Ohio. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I've been looking forward to having you on. Stephen actually has been a fun part of this IT bug group, and I've uh, actually pulled him in on a job last week where I was really, you know, struggling. And I I don't really use the group for help a lot because a lot of my stuff is Outlook, and I already have my own Facebook group. But uh, he said, yeah, let me remote in and help, and then we'll talk about that job later. But I uh, wanted to let everybody know that Stephen is a Macintosh expert for hire, for help, other techs, uh, and he does remote. Right, Stephen? Yep. Yeah, and you use uh, what, ConnectWise or Screen? I, I use Screen Connect, which is owned by ConnectWise. So very easy for me to get connected on, uh, remote reboots, all the good stuff that you would need to do. Yeah. Know, I think a lot of the problem is that I work with PC so much that when I have a Mac issue or when I help a client with the Mac, it's usually Outlook and I usually fix it all myself. But when it comes to other parts, oh man, I can't even keep up with the Mac stuff. I mean, I started Stephen with Macs in the 90s, but you know, they change a lot. And so I don't know how to repair anything. So, so keep in mind if you need it. I know a lot of techs don't know Macs like they don't know Outlook, right? So, Stephen, why don't you start by telling us about your day-to-day job first so we can get to know you a little bit there, your business and what kind of clients you help and support. So, I started my company, IT Works, almost seven years ago, and I do IT consulting. So, I I do what I think a lot of your viewers are doing, which is going to small to medium-sized companies and basically becoming the entire IT department. So I work with the owners and the decision makers to make sure that, you know, everything's working smoothly. There's as little downtime as possible. And I'll also help them with budget planning and forecasting for, you know, what do we need to replace in two or three years, Mm -hmm. uh, that type of stuff. So I, I really, I just, I just want to become the guy that they call for everything. So that way I can just take care of it all for the the go-to guy. I want to be the guy. So you do uh, managed services? Yes, I, I, I do uh, a whole lot of stuff. I do managed services. I do break fix. I do hosting, whether it's through Office 365 or SureWeb. I'm doing uh, managed ubiquity Wi-Fi stuff, um, websites, backups. I, I do it all. I mean, I mean yeah. I've even got uh, VoIP phones that I'm doing for people. Oh, my God. So is it your core clients uh, residential or business? I'm, I guess, business. Yeah, my, my core clients are, are business. The, the residential, I mean, I don't dislike consumers. I love helping consumers. It's just not where the money is for uh, the way my business is set up. So yeah. I've got some companies and some, some IT guys around here that I partner with. Um, so that way the residential people can get the help they expect. Yeah. Well, after seeing that post on the IT bug group today about the guy who had to lawyer up, ay, 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 makes you not want to do backup anymore. 
I'm, uh, I, I still have to watch that one. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reading all that. So Yeah, that caught my eye right away because, you know what, uh, I'll, just, I'll just be honest with the listeners is that everybody thinks that, you know, selling backup services is so great. And there's a, um, it was actually on um, a Podnuts episode and one of the IT Bog members. I'll put a link in there for the, everybody want to check it out. But it's a very interesting story of how a tech had to completely uh, lawyer up, pay for a lawyer because of some stuff that happened that was not, it wasn't even his fault. And man, it sounded like a big drama that, you know, that's why, you know, we got to protect ourselves and, and whatnot. And I don't do backup at all anymore. Well, the, the most important thing to do to protect yourself is before you bring on a client and start performing the services is have them sign a contract. Make sure a lawyer reviews if you've already got a contract in place. Make sure a lawyer reviews it and just can give you some uh, suggestions to tweak it and to help protect yeah. not only you but your customer better because you know if, if you're not defining everything then there's a lot of things that will be assumed and we all know what happens when you assume. I know and you know you've been in your business seven years and I've been in my nine and I still learn every day. Mm-hmm. So it's a never-ending learning career we have. Well all right so let's see uh, um, sorry so, oh, I'm sorry. I <laughs> page up for my notes. Sorry. One second. I'm like going, yeah, this doesn't make sense. All right, let's talk about the IT bug group. So I learned about this group on LinkedIn about a year ago, maybe. Maybe longer than a year ago. But someone said, hey, you should check out this group. So back then, LinkedIn groups had a lot of value, so I joined it. And were you a part of it then? I um, I was actually a member of the group, uh, did not know Scott, um, did not really participate because from, from everything that I've looked at with other LinkedIn groups, it was always just, here's my ad, buy my stuff. So I just, you know, I was a member and I didn't realize that actual valuable things were happening inside the group. So I, I missed out for probably a year or more. Yeah, I think that uh, what's funny is that Scott, uh, by the way, Scott Sanders is the owner or founder. Uh, I know when they started out that I think that was what he wanted to do, but it just, I don't know, I think there was just so much going on that I didn't pay attention very much. And then I started paying attention, and this is, uh, this is to his credit, as they started pulling on administrators, and then they weren't approving my posts, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm spamming, you know? I, I didn't know, so then we kind of figured it out. But then all of a sudden there was like a break and all of a sudden on Facebook, I got an invite to the one on Facebook and I left that alone for a long time. <laughs> so one day I was in there and I was like, I must've thought I knew people or something. And I just started being active in it. And I found that I really wasn't enjoying Facebook before that group. I was just kind of getting bored with it, you know? And then I found the group and I'm like, Oh man, it's like instant chat with texts. So I was digging it a little bit more. So for those that are new to the show, um, I'll put a link for there. It's already, the link's already in my notes every week anyway, but uh, you could join the group. You don't have to participate, but it's, there's a lot of good activity going on. And I would have to say real time troubleshooting and real time help. I mean, that's what we're all trying to do is help each other. Uh, That really is. And you know, the, I'll say that, I enjoyed Facebook more and I'm probably just on it too much now because um, I'm, I'm literally, I'm in IT bog for probably three or four hours a day. And it's, you know, it's not because I'm, I'm doing weird admin things or banning people. There's just so much going on that I'm just trying to get caught up. Um, yeah. Because there, there really is a lot of value in the posts in that group. Um, but, you know, the, the one most important thing is that I, I love about this group is, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of members. We've got people that are just starting up. We've got people that are changing what their business are doing. Maybe they're switching from break fix to MSP. And we've got guys in there that have been doing this for, you know, years or maybe decades. And so, you know, we, we get a lot of different perspectives. You know, we get perspectives yeah. of the young guys that – they don't know how the old way worked. We get perspective from the, 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 you know, guys that have been doing this, you know, very seasoned and say, look, I've tried it all. 
this is exactly what I do. I've learned so many cool procedures as far as um, that's how I set up my Ubiquity Unify controller. I, I learned how to set it up in the cloud thanks to ITBot. Nice. I learned how to uh, simplify my computer rollouts by creating images thanks to a couple guys in ITBot. So um, there's, there's just, uh, it's a wealth of information. We've even gotten the file section. People are sharing their marketing stuff and, and contracts. Obviously, have your lawyer look at it before you start having people sign it. But, um, I mean, it's, it's just great knowing that we're all there to help. We all know that um, there's enough business in the world to go around. We all know that some of us are experts in, in different things. And mm-hmm. you know, if, if we end up hiring each other to, to take care of a job, it, you know, it happens. Yeah. Well, I was telling you that, you know, um, my kind of, you know, I'm very helpful to technicians. I have sometimes not charged, depends, sometimes I do. I normally, you know, don't want to put that out there. I don't, but it just depends if it's a quick Facebook chat help thing. I actually can get bombarded sometimes, Stephen, mm-hmm. because the techs want to chat privately and then they start troubleshooting and I'm like, oh man, I'm already with a client, so I can't be chatting and because that's, you know, I'd leave my windows open all day and, uh, you know, I, I try to be respectful of, you know, when I'm between clients that I actually can't get into some stuff either with the people, but I try to be as helpful. And I found that the whole group is very helpful for the most part. And I've, like I said, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a, I was just so sick of Facebook before that. And now I'm like, oh man, it's like a whole new world in there. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about, um, what happened to the LinkedIn group now? Is that now gone or is it just faded away? Um, I don't know. I still don't <laughs> go into it. I feel awful. I'm sorry, Scott. Um, but I just, I'm not on LinkedIn. So yeah. that's, um, I'm, I'm sure it's still there. I, I'm sure that it still exists. But I think because, you know, the population in general just enjoys being on Facebook more. Yeah. That's where a lot of the action's taking place. Yeah, I think that LinkedIn had uh, last year also changed a lot of their group. Um, mm-hmm. from, oh man, uh, and I own a big group, Stephen. I own a group from Minnesota with thirty-two thousand members. Nothing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually turned into a junk pile of people pushing articles, like you had said yeah. at the beginning. And then the worst part is, is that people are like so sick of seeing these articles that they're like, but they keep pushing them. Like, why don't we all just stop? What's the freaking point? I only push my own articles. I don't push anybody else's off the internet, but a lot of them are. Just start kicking the other people out if it were me. <laughs> oh, man. Let me tell you, I've had that group for almost uh, nine years now. Wow. So it's, it was one of the original, like, big groups. Yeah, I, I used to be part of a, what we called it, a super owner thing back in the day because there was very few groups that had the size that we had. So. There's a few of us around the country that own big groups and we were like buddies, you know, it was kind of fun, but not anymore. Those days are gone. But I know that some of the folks over that were on the LinkedIn group should, uh, you know, scoot on over. But, um, uh, you know, the size of the IT bug group is right around 400 now, right? I want to say if it's not already over, it's real close. Oh my God. I've, I've yeah. been adding, I, I'm adding like one or two new members on average every day. So I'm, I'm the one that primarily is going through and um, seeing, all right, who's requesting membership. I look at their Facebook, you know, if they're a member of a bazillion groups, they're typically auto decline. And I make sure that they can at least speak some form of English and that they really own an IT company. IT owners group, you got to be an IT business owner. So. Well, or at least tried to look techie. You know, I have been kind of looking at the new members now. I just am learning a little bit about the features. And if you, well, first of all, if you're listening to my show and you join the group, make sure you say, call that girl sent you because then they approve you faster because they know you're a listener. Yeah. And they know you're probably a tech too. But I've been checking out the new members and I'm like, oh my God, I know that person from back in the day or whatever. So it's been kind of fun catching up. Uh, and it's kind of like, I feel bad. One guy joined and I'm like, oh my God, I haven't talked to this guy in like a year. And I met him on a different community. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, I feel bad not going out to other people and saying, come join the group. But I guess it's just the natural flow. Mm-hmm. People are just finding it naturally, you know, as they scoot along. But, 
But, um, oh, dang, sorry, one second here, Stephen. So let's do talking about why I uh, wanted to get you on the show. Sure. So I had an Outlook job that a client, um, now, when I take the Mac job, sometimes, A, I don't know it's a Mac job until I remote in, okay? Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't have it on my form to click Mac or PC. And, of course, the second I saw the Mac button in my, my remote software, I went, oh, it's a Mac. And I always have to think of the mind frame I have to get into, right? Well, it's just like, up. What's that? <laughs> you got to psych yourself up. Well, I don't know what I'm getting into. You know, I either have mm-hmm. Entourage, Mac Mail, uh, old Outlook 2011, 2016. Those are the mo- most of the ones I work with. And uh, 16 is a lot nicer. But so anyway, this lady was having a problem with, uh, she said that her Gmail was uh, in Outlook 2016 for the Mac. And I already knew right away, she's got an overloaded Gmail account. But I didn't know how bad it was until I got in there, right? So I look at it and I said, well, you've got 28 gigs on the Gmail server. And I looked at her Mac stuff, you know, all the, the size of everything. And it, it, did, it did show that, but her storage was full. And you want to remind me, uh, if she goes up to the Mac in the upper left, and I think it's what, about Mac is the button? Yeah, so yeah. If, if you go to the to the top left, top left, whatever, if you go to the top left, click the Apple about this Mac, and you can see, you know, the specs, the storage. Yeah. What, yeah and so. that's, that's new for El Capitan, right? Um, the about this Mac section is not new, but really? I believe the storage tab is new. Mm. Well, she was literally my favorite word, stroking out, because her hard drive was absolutely full. And I'm like, going, okay, lady, you got 28 gigs on the server. You had 128 gig hard drive. So I was like, well, that's a fourth. She must have had a solid state hard drive. It had to have been. It, yeah, all the new yeah. Macs are solid yeah. state. Okay, and that's not my, you know, I don't know that much about it, but I was like, okay, something's wrong mm-hmm. if you've got a fourth of your hard drive that's going over with the 28 gigs, right? So I don't know any of this stuff. So I, at this point, I went out to the IT bug group and kind of threw out a, a flag. And I was like, well, actually, I stopped. Before I did that, she had actually taken the whole Gmail account off her Outlook. So I came into it fresh. So the first thing I did, just so people are learning here, is I logged into the Gmail. And I went to the, the, man, or the settings area. And dang it, Stephen, you're probably have to catch me on this. I'll try to check it. In the settings area... You can go into what's it called filters and labels and filters. filters, Yep. And then there you can actually, and I know this already is you can go in and turn off all the folders that you don't want to come down to outlook. Now Mm -hmm. tell about the trick you in a little bit here, but there's a little thing that says show in label list. And then there's a little checkbox on the far right. So it says show an IMAP. Okay. So I took off the big hoarding f- folders, which is the important, the all mail, you know, I went, I, she actually had like probably 50 to 60 folders. So I said, go uncheck what you don't need. It's all on the server. So this is a way to save your hard drive, right? Well, it was still not functioning. We got the email downloaded. It only took a few hours and she's like, it's now filling back up. So at this point I got like four or five texts from her panicking and what happened was the last time she had it fill up, her computer completely blew up. She said nothing worked. So she actually returned the first Mac, got another one, and it happened to her again. So at this point, I was like, this is when I went to the IT bug group and said, what's going on? Why is it doing this? And, you know, what are some things that could be happening? And Stephen was like, let me remote in. So I think it was, what, the next day I had you remote in? Yeah, our, our schedules didn't align because it was already later in the evening when I said I could remote in. So the next day I, I popped on and we uh, we cast some spells and everything worked. You got to tell the spells. That's part of the story. Okay, okay. <laughs> my, people, <laughs> my people have told me you got to tell what happened and how you fixed it. That's what they absolutely, like. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so on the Mac... Uh, I actually downloaded two applications. I downloaded Daisy Disk, which I was not very impressed with. That one was 
uh, download and, you know, get a 30-day trial or whatever. But it doesn't show you every nook and cranny of the Mac like I was hoping it would. So then I went to my trusty Disk Inventory X. That's what this is called. And uh, and it's you know it's it looks a little weird because you can tell it was made in a different country. So you know if it's if it's trying to say five hundred, it's going to have like five comma hundred or you know five comma zero zero. But you know once you get past some of the weird quirks, then you know you can use it successfully. The the thing I love about Disk Inventory X is it tells you exactly what you have and where. Um, it's very much like Spacemonger for PC, if any of you guys have, have used that or software like it. Um, it just, you know, it, it shows you, like, the disk, uh, and it's got little boxes, and the box sizes are different compared to um, others based on size of, of space being taken up. So I was able to look and see, all right, Outlook is using this much and we've got these other things that are using all this up as well so we were able to tell this client of yours um definitively where all of the storage is being taken and that was really important for me to learn Stephen, because mm -hmm. as a non you know pc i don't have a problem with that but as a non-mac expert or user even for the most part i needed to tell her exactly how much the operating system space was the applications the clutter blah 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 and to me, that was the most valuable part of knowing this because this possibly could happen again to another client, you know. Uh, so then after we figured out that, what did we say? It was 60 gigs with just the regular stuff? Or the um, so the, the operating system and then all of the apps that they include, like GarageBand and iMovie and yeah. everything else, that all took up roughly 30 to 40 gigs on its own. So, you know, people are able to save a little cash and, and buy the 128-gig MacBooks, but at the end of the day, when they've only got, you know, 60 gigs that they're actually able to use, uh, you know, when they're going to have a 30-gig Outlook mailbox, uh, that's, that's really yeah. hindering them, especially because on a Mac, I've found if you have anything less than, like, 10, 15 gigs of free storage space, the, the whole computer just really starts to slow oh. down and that's because it's it's linux based and they they rely heavily on swap file which uses the hard drive instead of ram for things and um you know it's it's not bad it's just unfortunate that you can't even use all of the space that's oh. on the hard drive. she doesn't have a lot of data that was the good news but mm -hmm. you know the bad news is that she was expecting, well, she was kind of getting angry with me, not in a bad way, but like not at me, but she was like, it can't be taking that much space. I was like, you know, what? I don't know a lot about data on this Mac, you know? So after, basically after uh, Steven, you know, said, this is it. Then I went back to the uh, Gmail and uh, I had seen this before. So I kind of want to say, that if you went to save the day, I would have figured it out, I think, because she had 30, like 5,000 emails that are sent items. So that probably would have been my next thing is to go through each folder and see how many emails were there and took them off the IMAP, right? Because that actually, once we did that, then uh, she started seeing her storage go down. It does take some time to sync. So it wasn't like instant because that's 35,000 got to get out of the computer. And that takes a while. Uh, so then after that, I told her, look, this is the best we can do, and this will probably work for you, and you got like 30 gigs left. So <laughs> 30, 30 gigs wouldn't be much for us. <laughs> no. So she's really on. She's really handicapped with that. But, you know, I, I'm, I just felt bad for her that she went and bought a Mac and returned it. Oh, man, that's a hassle alone, poor thing. Especially if she went to the Apple store. And she probably did. Mm -hmm. I think I bought my Mac at Micro Center back in the day. Hmm. I love Microsoft. So anyway, one takeaway here, Stephen, is that you taught me something about the Gmail, which I want the listeners to learn because I don't know how my techs actually work with Outlook and Gmail a lot. But in that labels, in the settings, he showed me something that was kind of cool that I just didn't know. That in the show in label list, it says show or hide. Okay. If you click show, it's actually going to show up on the left sidebar of the Gmail in the browser. And if you say hide it, it goes away. And then 
the show on IMAP, actually, you have to uncheck that to take it out of Outlook. I did not know that. That was very helpful, Stephen. Are you there? Your song oh, sorry. just I thought we had, I didn't think you could hear me. Can you hear me now? Uh-oh, sorry, folks. I don't know if you heard me, but your sound just disappeared on my end. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, I guess I can stop the recording and come back. Otherwise, I can just uh, do some other stuff while he's figuring that out. Let's take a minute to thank our friends at App River. <laughs> I forgot to do them in the beginning. If you can't tell, my shows have been off a little bit. I, I think I messed up my notes, and I've been off my usual schedule. But... Um, just remember, if you're looking for a vendor for uh, Office 365, uh, AppRiver is email and web specialists. Uh, they do partner programs. They do retailer programs. And uh, I'm a partner, so I can, you know, I work with them, and they build the clients, and then they're backup for the clients as well. So if you ever need them. If you're an MSP provider and you want to do reseller, you can go ahead and set up with them, and then you can use their texts in the background for stuff, and you continue to work with your clients. You can email my rep, Steve Harris, at sharris at appriver.com if you want to get in touch. Are you back, Stephen? I'm back. I did my promo. <laughs> Perfect timing. I forgot my promo in the beginning. <laughs> That's funny. I know. Well, my shows have been off lately. I've had all these guests, and they're awesome, but then I messed up and lost some of my notes about how I do my show, and I'm like, oh, my God. And today, I didn't want to tell you guys, but it's uh, – <clears throat> the weather's getting better here in Vegas, but it's uh, still pretty hot. It's 103, but my air conditioning's out. And it's, and so I've got a fan rolling, so if you can hear it, it's the fan. i, I got to have that fan on today. No air in Vegas. It's hot. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how hot it was going to be when I moved here, honestly. And I made it through the hot months, but, damn, it was brutal. Brutal. Especially the day I moved, 113 degrees. Oh, my God. Where'd you move where from? I moved from a house in Vegas here to an apartment. Oh, okay. So I, you've been in Vegas for quite a while. I, w I, was, uh, I moved here last year, and I rented a big house out in Summerlin, which I thought, oh, I need a luxurious house, right? Mm. Yeah, well, it's just me. And it turned out to be a lot of work and the – my energy bill was insane. It was so hot. I had two air conditioners. I had an upstairs one and a downstairs one. That's crazy. It was never temperature controlled. It was always hot upstairs or cold or whatever. So I got, I moved to, um, I'm about eight blocks off the strip now. And I have a nice one level, one floor apartment with uh, two decks. And it's just gorgeous. I got the, the view, stri uh, the strip view on one side and downtown on the other. That is so awesome. I know. I got so lucky. And it's like half the price of the house. It's even better. I know. And it's like this is a vintage Vegas uh, luxury apartment building. But it's not so luxury now. But it still is awesome for me. <laughs> sure. I love, I love it. Yeah. All right, Steven. So let me look at my notes here. We got off kilter a little bit there. Um, so anyway, that lady, I ended up billing her for just an hour. Uh, because if I would have done it without that issue, it would have been an hour job probably or less. Mm -hmm. I tried to still do fair billing, you know, if I can. So remember you guys, you can call up Steven if you need help. We'll put his uh, email in there in the notes. So Steven, why don't you tell us a little bit about your Google apps experience? Because I really just take people off Google apps. <laughs> That's my so job. The, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with taking people off of Google Apps and putting them on Office 365. Um, I actually, um, I'm, I'm a very weird IT guy, in my opinion, because I'm never 100% satisfied with anything I have, so I'm constantly switching back and forth. Yeah. Luckily for me, I got Google Apps back when it was free. Mm. I got grandfathered in. So I will always have Google Apps free. I don't have all the cool features of the paid version, um, but I don't need all that either. So with, with Google Apps free, I'm able to 
use my domain, I get Google Drive, I can have multiple users. I just can't do advanced things like uh, outbound spam filtering using a third-party solution like Reflection. Um, there's, there's a lot of little caveats of, of things I can't do. But um, I've got clients that use both. I haven't done Google Apps for my clients as much lately because I was signing them all up when they could get Google Apps free and, you know, yeah. just pay the, pay the $10 or whatever a year for their domain and, and use the Gmail system and, and everyone's happy, win-win. Um, I, I also use Office 365. I also use Intermedia for their hosted exchange. So I, I, I do a lot of everything. Gotcha. So, so what would you like to know about Google Apps before I go off on a tangent about something that doesn't matter? Oh, do you have a tangent? We want to hear about that too. I've got a million tangents. I don't know if you've realized this, but I can talk forever. That's what, you should have your own podcast show, Stephen. You I guys, probably should. You guys should have the IT Bog podcast. I mean, That's an excellent idea. You guys have a brutal crew in there of talkers. Oh, God. I mean, there are some people. I mean, I'm one of them. So, but mm -hmm. it's a good thing. It's the people that have stories. So, that's your takeaway for the day. I'd do it. I'm starting it. Excuse me, I would. It uses Zoom, and you can record the um the people on the camera, and it gives you an audio also. Oh, good. So here's what I do, and this I've said this before: is you take the audio and put it up on Podbean, then you take the video and throw it up on YouTube. Okay. Some people really like watching, and then, but most of our techs, I'll be honest, I don't think a lot of them watch the video. They're working. They don't want to look at me, that's for sure. No. I know. I could literally shave my head and no one would even know. So <laughs> the point is, is though, some people like the YouTube part because they like watching the faces and the character and getting to know people. So do it. Do the group. Do the, do the podcast. So I'm uh, doing what's, it. It's happening. What's your tangent? I want to hear that before we talk about Google Apps. Well, the, the tangent, boring. <laughs> I mean, I, I could, I mean, oh, God. Okay, so let's see. Google Apps. Um, I like it. Uh, there are things I don't like about Google. I think there's things that everyone doesn't like about Google. The big thing with Google Apps Free is, um, you know, just like with Gmail, if, if you're not the customer, you're the product. So mm. keep in mind that if you use Google anything, they're, they know everything about you. <laughs> they That's true. Um, I forgot about that little ad thing that they do. Do most of your users use the browser then? Uh, I am using their browser. I use Google Chrome. Yeah. Um, I have uh, I've set up my my Google apps in like the Windows 10 Mail. I don't really like doing it in Outlook because unless you're paying for Google apps. It does not give you calendar and contact synchronization. Yeah, that's what I deal with a lot, Stephen, is those uh, – I get a, a – I'm just going to use the word. I get a shit ton of calls from people that are using business at gmail.com, and they want all the bling in Outlook, and I say you need a third-party app. Mm -hmm. because, and that works with uh, domain to Google or the at Gmail, and uh, I set them up with G-Sync. It works good. Yep. And, and, and G-Sync does, I mean, it works great. Um, you know, you, you, you got to expect a little, a little glitch here and there. The, the big thing that I tell people is, you know, it really depends on what you're using uh, for your whole ecosystem. Are you an Android person? Are you a Mac? Are you a PC? Um, do you live and die Outlook? Um, there's people where, um, if they're using Outlook and, you know, there's uh, the color categories for mail and, and calendar events and everything, you know, if, if you're using color categories, that doesn't synchronize into Gmail on the calendar on the mail. Um, My clients so, would hate that. They love their color categories. And I'm, I'm just now starting to use color categories with Gmail, but I just do it all through the browser. Gotcha. So for, for people that live and die in Outlook, I really do tell them, you know, you're going to have a better experience if you're using Office 365 if you're using these more advanced features. 
Yeah. Um, and you insist on using Outlook. Um, Price-wise, they're they're both about the same. They're both five dollars a month, um, and they're both capable of doing the same things. It just really depends on what software you want to be using with them. It's really what it comes down to. It does, and I kind of uh, since I get the calls from people who are unhappy with uh, Google Apps because they want Outlook to work better. Here's here's the little trick I tell people is when you're interviewing a client, the bet. And I've actually told a few web designers this too. If someone has Outlook. They probably will be better off with Exchange. Better yet, if they have an iPhone, they definitely want Exchange. And if they're a tablet person, then they can go back and forth, you know. But the Outlook is just meant for Exchange. They're like a married couple. Using Google Apps with Outlook is like getting over a divorce. You got to deal with it. There's going to be a snag. Also, mm-hmm. another problem is that Gmail is just a never-ending hoarding tank of email. It just keeps building and building. I mean, I just cannot believe how much email I've seen that they just, it doesn't bother people on the browser. But the minute they get into Outlook, Outlook has a heart attack. That's why I It does. And I think that's one reason I like Gmail is I just don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I don't have to worry about putting things in folders and archiving things out of Outlook because it's too old or it's too full or anything. With Gmail, I do feel like it just works. Um, the The unfortunate thing is when you start downloading it to the computer, which you know your customer witnessed last week. Yeah, that's. I mean, I've seen some huge disasters happen, but you know what? I I've learned to manage the expectations better with the clients because the first thing I do before I even touch the work is I go in and do my doctor spot check. I go look at the Google settings. I go look at the Outlook settings. I look at the app data folder. I make sure things look right. What does it? I write my notes, and I tell the client, this is going to be a four-hour job, buddy. There you go. You know what? Because I already know what's going to happen. And then at least I set the bar. If it's cheaper, great. But, I mean, I've got some fandangled messes going on with these people. And the worst part is it's not the technician's fault so much, but the worst part is, is that someone might be on Pop Gmail and they've got, you know, 20 gigs in Outlook, then they go and try to shove it into IMAP. And that well, will totally give Outlook a, a, a heart attack for sure. Mm-hmm. And people just don't understand the size, and, and they're like, well, the Outlook is 50 gigs now. I'm like, yeah, but not really. It, it will, it's like shoving a 500-pound person into a VW bug. You, you can know. do it. It's just going to be very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's going to be. Yeah, and the most I've ever seen on Exchange that still works to this day is 45 gigs. That's my max. So, I don't know. I, I've learned that I do my doctor's spot check, and if you text out there, don't do that. You should be because also another tip is, and this happens with Gmail all the time, is people will set up a new Gmail account. Oh, Stephen, this is so great. In 2013 or 16, they set up the Gmail account without having a local PST file, and where does that calendar and contacts go that they import? Remember I talked about it in the IT bug group just yesterday? It I maybe missed it. that one too. Oh, my gosh. Dang, dude. You're like behind. What kind of boss are you over there? So anyway, people import their contacts and calendar into the local PST. It's a local OST file, not the local PST. It's OST. Oh, I did I did see that. Yeah. yeah. So, that's really confusing that I I guess Outlook starting with 2013 started using OST yeah. files for IMAP. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of texts. I mean, there was a few texts in the group that were like trying to challenge me on it and I jokingly mm-hmm. was like, "Dude, I know what I do all day. Don't don't tell me how it runs. So this is my yeah. work." But they weren't being mean about it, but the point is, I'm like, 2013 and 16, if you don't set up a local PST file first, it does use their OST as a default. It's called this computer only. And that took me a very long time to figure that out because no, there's no, like, Outlook, you know, updates from Microsoft telling you about these stupid changes. I had to figure it out on my own. But the problem with techs is these days is that they're shoving things down. They don't know the size limits. And then here's the, the scariest part is let's say you get everything set up you put in the context and calendar into the OST file, and that computer dies, which happens with new computers, all the data is gone. <laughs> so then you can try to recover the, the OST file, 
with a third-party tool. Mm -hmm. Well, Stephen, if you have the freaking file, my last tech didn't have it. Or my last job, the, the tech didn't save the backup of the OST file because he doesn't know what it is. See, if, if a tech doesn't keep up with the Outlook stuff, I just don't think you should even touch it. Because that could be dangerous, man. And there's that backup problem that guy had. What happened to his data? I don't know. Gone? Well, well, I think um, rather than if, if you don't know what you're doing, don't touch it. I feel like the, the better answer is if you don't know what you're doing, learn. You know, find somebody like like this this wonderful gal I know. Her name's Lisa. Oh. Um, and have her educate you on how Outlook works, how it works with Gmail, how it works with Pop, IMAP, Office 365, third-party exchange, in-house exchange, because there, there really are. There's so many different ways you can use Outlook. And it's not to say that any of them are wrong. Okay, maybe a few of them are wrong. But, <laughs> but I mean, there, there really are so many right ways to use Outlook that who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could teach you something right now about Outlook that maybe you've, you know it can do, but you've never really twisted your mind into that perspective. Like, oh, never thought of that. Yeah, and you know what? I learn from my clients all the time. They'll, they'll show me something they did. I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't even know that. Yeah. And I, I'm not embarrassed by it. And sometimes I, I tell them. And sometimes I just go, oh, that's a secret for me now. <laughs> I don't want them to feel good about it. But, you know, back to what you're saying is that client or tech should learn it. I'm not saying that all techs don't know this, just the ones that are not. Like, if you're not 100% comfortable with it, you should mm -hmm. stop and drop and listen. If anything, send me a message. Say, Lisa, I'm dealing with this situation. I can tell you, maybe in a quick answer, you're going to do this all wrong if you do that. And then at least you're saving yourself. Um, I learned by only failing. That's, uh, I, that's an unfortunate but best way to learn. I can tell you that uh, one thing I always do, Stephen, and this is a good reminder, is if you don't know what you're doing, and even if you do, I always back up the data if I feel it's in jeopardy. I back up the contacts and calendar always, almost guaranteed, and I don't always back up the data unless I'm doing a migration. But if I feel I should... You should always stop and tell the client, I'm not comfortable doing this. Let me back it up first, and then I'll be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then you have to use the words like comfortable because uh, let's just say they had an IMAP go crazy. And it's got 10 gigs in Outlook, but the server says two. You know there's an 8-gig problem. So I back you up. you don't know what the 8-gig problem is. Exactly. So I back it up, and I back it up to a local PST file, and I say do not export the duplicates. That's usually what it is, is there's just, you know, oodles of duplicates. And then if I even want to do another one, I allow duplicates, so I've got two databases. I can tell you that, that no client is going to be, be pissed at you for taking the time to back that up. Never. And, and if you have to take them off the clock, do so. It's always better to have expectations that instead of disasters. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you don't know I'll look that well, boy, let me tell you that OST thing, a lot of techs don't know about that. That's scary. I actually did not realize that. I saw you say something, and I, I, I'll be honest. I, I wanted to ask you, like, have you been drinking? Uh, I do. You know, I, I do know sometimes at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's 11 in the morning there, but, you know. <laughs> um, and I, I ended up Googling. I spent 40 seconds Googling. I saw an article, and I was like, oh, wow, she she hasn't been – well, she may have been drinking, but she's right at least. Uh, and then I actually ended up posting that article a few times to people that were like, no, it's a PST. Well, the thing Just, is is that if you do it right out of the gate, okay, right without look first profile, I mean, you make it, that's what it does. A lot of people, though, here's what they don't know is they might go add in other PST files that they've had, like archives and stuff, and they don't even notice it. And then by luck – I can just tell you what an OST nightmare this can be, but a lot of people don't have issues, but if you don't have exchange, you accept a calendar appointment and that goes on to the calendar. You don't want it. It's just horrible. So I, I tell you that these OST issues and myself, I've had to tell clients two hours into a job. Oh, now you tell me that you have this other thing and I got to rework the whole thing. 
because OST is, is just not a good way to start Outlook out. So I usually try to create a PST file first. So if you can, as a tip, start an OST file and call it like 2016 so it has a home base, then you could do everything else and that PST could be the default. Perfect. I just lose everybody there maybe. Maybe. I could tell you, I could, what you just said earlier, text should learn all this stuff. I made those Outlook videos, Stephen, to get, kind of tease, the, tease everybody, right? My next thing was going to be make a training thing for text. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's going to be brutal. It took me two years to make this set. <laughs> well, um, I'm actually starting to make videos starting. So, I mean, I've, I've just posted my, my first, second one. But... Um, on you, on the MyTBog and YouTube? Uh, I actually didn't put it on YouTube because this one I just wanted to be for the text and I didn't know where to put it because you know, I don't want clients knowing all the deep dirty secrets so what i did was i i made it on my computer and then i just uploaded the mp4 to facebook in the group um and that one was here's how you set up a cloud unified controller so that way you can have one ubiquity controller to manage multiple client wi-fi hotspots and you know I, i basically said all right once you go to the website and sign up for the service, here's how you actually configure it. Dude, do you really think your clients are going to take that information? Are you kidding me? I don't no. even know what it is. God, <laughs> I'm paranoid. I'm paranoid. Well, let me tell you, you if you're going to teach, don't worry about people taking your info and not bringing you money later with the, with the, you know to call you back because – They've learned about YouTube videos and all that stuff is people like watching it, but they're probably not going to act on it. It's very technical and it gets them worried, but they're out looking Then they find your video and then they call you if you need help. Hmm. That's the marketing trick with YouTube is I always try to give out all the info, but I don't give out everything technical. I always say, do this. Well, I might say, go export it out. I don't give you exact instructions on how to export it. Oh no. See, I was giving, I was Doing like you, you click this button. I did a screen. I, I was recording the screen. I, I know again, people don't want to look at my face, so I just I recorded the screen with uh, with um, Snagit and okay. voice over it. And I was literally walking people through. Here's how you configure. Here's the buttons you click. I did it all. I I adopted my access point and wow. so. You know what, though? Keep doing it. Keep doing the videos because eventually, uh, I've been doing them for like eight, nine years, and uh, you'll find in, in time where, where what you love about making them and teaching them, and eventually you can monetize it hmm. if you want to. I mean, if you're going to be doing it, you should monetize, you know, either by putting them on YouTube or selling them or making a little video training series. But just practice with everything now. That's what I recommend because – Everybody in this uh, tech world has talents. They should be, I hate to say it, selling to other techs. You should be. I mean, yeah, there's only so much free you can give out. But if you make a video and say, you know, hey, here, buy it for five bucks at least to start. Hey, you just earned five bucks at least. You know, techs really don't want to pay other techs to help them too much. But they'll watch a video or buy an ebook set. I've learned that. You know I sell my books. I do know you sell books. That's right. How many books do you have? Mm, I have six. Okay. Six little nuggets. Are they long books? Because I've always said to myself, I want to write a book. Well, okay, some of the books are only 10 pages. They're more how-to, like to the point. And then some of them, like my remote books, oh, my God, one of them is 90 pages. And the other one's like 90 also, 50, 60, I don't think. Um, you're not you're not writing you know thousand page novels. No, but the thing is, the the first big selling book I had was the remote support book, and the reason why that was so good is because it actually gave many different examples of things that could happen with remote. I mean, I got it down to where my my second edition, I didn't think I could write a third edition, and I gave it a couple of years, and I found more things that needed to be fine-tuned. And it's probably out of date, some of it now, but 
But yeah, if you have a talent you want to teach other people, ebooks are still good. Videos, I think, are better. Yeah. You don't have to show your face. You can just make a, a set of, let's say, you want to work on a, a networking how-to set. You know, write out some chapter lists of things you want to teach. And then you go write down the outline of what you're going to teach in those. And you go make six videos and sell them as a set. And some tech is going to love that because you're actually doing step by step by step. Saving them. Well, where did you get that information from? Someone in the IT bug group, you know. So people will buy so, it. So what do you use for your remote support? What software? Uh, Log me in, Rescue. Okay. Um, now, a few years ago, I remember they started bumping prices up and then they mm -hmm. did it again and they did it again. Has that impacted you? Nobody bumps with me. Okay. I got, I got the price still. I had to pay eight bucks more, but I, I feel bad because I saw a lot of uh, technicians uh, bitching about it. And I was like, man, I could tell you that when they called me, here's what they did. They said, hey, Lisa, yeah, your uh, contract's about to renew here soon. And what do you think about uh, your investment with us so far? I go, dude, I use one product. I don't use any of your other stuff. It's not investment. You are a software tool that I use for my job. I guess it could be considered investment. But, you know, they use that word as a sales pitch ploy, right? Of course. I told my guy, I said, I get a new rep every year, so I don't have a relationship with you guys either, but I love your product. I'm not going to switch. But if you think you are freaking putting me up to the 130 a month range, you are kidding. I mm -hmm. will leave. And I end up only paying eight more bucks. Now I was fine with that a month. I was only paying 66, I think, and now I'm paying, actually, uh, I only rate six bucks. So. Okay. I made a stand. So, so I'm uh, I'm using Screen Connect in the cloud. Nice. And I'm paying about fifty, sixty dollars, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, I'm on the second tier, so I'm allowed to have a hundred. Um, what do they call them? A hundred unattended licenses, so I can install Screen Connect on a hundred computers, and get on those computers whenever I want. Cool. I'm also able to have people go to my server, my website, and start something on their own. Like I did. Do, yeah, and I'm also able to do meetings, which I still have not done a meeting yet. Um, the, the thing I really like about Screen Connect, and when I used LogMeIn in the past, it did not have this. Um, you know, it's got all the typical stuff. Um, save passwords so you can auto log in, reboot, reboot in a safe mode, all the things that you would expect. Yeah. Um, it also has what they call the toolbox. So I'm able to upload files into my toolbox. Ooh. And then those are on the Screen Connect server instead of sitting on, on my computer at home. And the reason That's I nice. like that is because then when I, I can click on the toolbox, then I click, you know, maybe I want to install WebRoot or MCSoft or whatever else. Um, then it downloads at super fast speeds, as, as fast as their internet allows, and then it automatically runs. So I'm able to put all kinds of things in the toolbox. Uh, TechWaru by RepairTech Solutions, um, antivirus installers, antivirus removers, my RMM tool, Max Focus, I've got a, a default group that I've made, so I've got an installer for that. Um, I mean, the, the list just goes on. I've even got the Screen Connect unintended installer yeah. sitting in there. And then the other cool thing that they just added with the new version is you're the, the end user computer doesn't even have to be on. Um, if they hold on a second. The, the end user computer doesn't have to be on. I can right click on the computer from my screen connect console and I can say, run this tool. Uh, so maybe I tell it I want to install web root so I can run that tool to install it. And then when their computer does connect to screen connect, it'll automatically run that tool for me. Gotcha. So it's, nice it's starting I mean, it's, it's not going to become an RMM. I mean, it's not going to start adding monitoring. I don't even think it's going to ever really tr truly add scripting. 
but it's just such an awesomely powerful tool. I'm also able to do remote command prompt, um, and you can also do remote PowerShell, which I'm still learning PowerShell, but um, just the fact that it has that, I feel like is a step up from many other remote tools. Mm, that's a step up because I don't do PowerShell. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do the command command line anything. I, I do command line stuff if, if it's required for a repair I'm doing, but I don't, I don't generally play with that. I like that toolkit though. Well, if you don't mind, what do you pay for a year for that? Uh, I pay, like I said, about fifty or sixty dollars okay. a month. Yeah, I just pay monthly. Yeah, interesting. Well, I'm so married to my software. I honestly, I've tried to leave it, and I just can't. And plus, my clients are all trained. And they're like, "Give me the code as soon as I call them," and they're ready. And I, I just, oh man, I just don't think I could leave it. But it's always good to hear about other software because there's a lot of cool stuff coming out right now. I mean, really is. technology is going so fast that I'm like, it's almost too much to keep up with. And that's why I've kind of just made the decision just to stick with what I'm doing right now. Let the rest work itself out. I know a lot of other experts. And you know what? I, I'm learning that it's better to depend on somebody else that knows something better than for me to struggle and waste my time. Absolutely. I want to do I'm so sick of it. <laughs> Well, and, and me, on the other hand, I, I love learning all this new stuff. You know, I, I grew up with it. I got my first computer when I was six. Uh, so I took it apart when I was 10, didn't know how to put it back together. Um, I have significantly fewer screws left over when I'm done these days, so that's good. Oh, uh, you, don't have, you don't have 11 like I did? <laughs> but uh i mean it, it drove my mom nuts i literally took the whole computer apart motherboard on the floor on the carpet because oh i didn't know God. anything um but the screws weren't so little back then well they they i don't remember because remember i was little too so <laughs> well um, i was little when i was 31 when i took a plus so <laughs> that was only six seven 16 17 years ago no 2001 i i also took my a plus in 2001 did you do windows 98 like i did probably not uh no well i mean i i used it but not for the a plus actually no i think it might have had some windows 98 questions still yeah you know i've told this story before that i worked at honeywell and they gave us an education budget and the two requests, <laughs> this is a good one. I worked at the help desk at the engineering department, R&D, right? And uh, the Unix guys had to call into the help desk to put in tickets for the Unix guys to fix stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I took them all. I didn't know what Unix really was. I did, but not really. And uh, I remember I took a call and the, the guy was like, hey, Lisa, I'm having this problem, blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know, did you try rebooting? <laughs> He goes, Lisa, I know you're new, and I'm going to tell you right now, never tell a Unix guy to reboot, please, and just put in the ticket. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what Unix was. And I was like, gotcha. But after that, since they gave me the education budget, they requested I went to Unix uh, to learn basic Unix stuff. So I went to this nerdy like uh, school for Unix for three days. I learned a lot. It was really helpful. And then after that, the, the desktop guys were like, Lisa, will you please go take the A-plus class? <laughs> so, and I was like, okay. And in the A-plus class, I seriously was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I had to tear it apart. And then I actually had to put it back together, and I had 11 extra screws. So I told the guy next to me, I go, what should I do with them? <laughs> he goes, I don't know. I go, I'm going to tape them in the case. <laughs> well, what you do is you put them in your pocket and pretend like you didn't have any extras. <laughs> and then we installed Windows 8, and I don't even know what I did. I think I had the guy next to me help. I really don't like the hardware side. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me. All right, Stephen. So, anything else you want to share with us? This has been lively and entertaining. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm sure I have tons of things I would love to share, but... I don't think yeah. we have time for all of that. Well, why don't you just uh, keep that in mind for the IT Bug podcast you're going to start doing? Yeah. I'll help you put that together. It's really easy, and I think the group will really like it. And then plus you can 
not that I don't want, I don't want like 2,000 people in this group, but you know, it, 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 uh, you know, you can market to other people for other texts to get in that are valuable. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, gang. Well, I think we're going to close up the show. I don't even know what time it is here, but uh, give me one sec. Let me get my notes. Uh, Steven, do you want to do any pitches for yourself real quick? Anything about your business or how to contact you? Um, best way to get in touch with me, um, help at itworksllc.net. Check out my website, itworksllc.net. Uh, you're also welcome to find me on Facebook, Stephen Taylor. Um, you'll see a picture of me that's kind of like this. Yes. Uh, you have a live <laughs> gift right now, though. Um, I mean, that's, that's really it. You know, I, I, like, I like to help. So if, if you guys have questions, reach out. Yeah, he's been very helpful, and he's a good manager. All right, gang, I'm going to close up the show here. Remember to check out the notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365. You can check out my ebooks at callthatgirl.biz slash publications. And if you need me, you can uh, email me at lisa at callthatgirl.biz. Uh, this has been a Heyman Hendrickson production, audio supported by Mitch Heyman. Thanks to our sponsor, App River and Podbean for hosting. And remember, if you have a story you want to share, please email me. And I'll get you on the show. Thanks. Bye, Stephen. Bye.